Have a seat. awesome right that was not pretty awesome that was awesome all right hey guys we're gonna start this new series called the wisdom journey I did this in uh, Detroit about a month ago or so and I told them like hey I'm gonna do this in in Grand Rapids but I'm gonna do this like for a four-week series, and they were like, oh my gosh, I want that for four weeks. They only got, they only got this first part, but um, the wisdom journey, has anyone, did anyone grow up in church? I grew up in church. Not, it doesn't have to be this church, any church. Did you grow up going to church? Um, a lot of us. If you're anything like me, I hope that as I go through this lesson, you are like, Ah, yep, that was me too. That happened to me too. And so I've got these three pictures here. The city streets, the mountain, and the stars. And this is going to kind of set the framework for our journey, okay? And we're going to go through each of these, like, levels. And I want to connect this, this idea of this thing. I want to connect it to a book in the Bible. And then I want to connect it to... um, like an, an idea for wisdom, all right? So here are the, here are the three pictures. Now, the, the wisdom books, there are several wisdom books in the Bible. And Psalms is a wisdom book, which is beautiful. I love the fact that God decided to teach us wisdom through songs and poetry. That's pretty cool. Uh, Song of Solomon is considered a wisdom book. But the three books that I'm going to be looking at today are these three. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And over the next three weeks, we're going to look at these more in depth. So we're going to, today we're going to look at all three. Next week, we're going to look at Proverbs. Through the lens that we kind of established now. Then two weeks, Ecclesiastes, and then the last week, we're going to look at Job. We're going to look at the type of wisdom that they offer us. And then, we're going to also look and see... Like in a New Testament context, like as Christians, what does that mean? So let's just jump right into it, okay? First one, we're going to talk about the city streets. And the the idea that I want to put forth is the idea of guidance. Now, why the city streets? When When you're talking about navigation, getting from one place to another, civilization has made it easier. Because there are roads, and those roads are usually somewhat straight. And those roads have bridges to go over things like, you know, ditches and rivers. And, and they have uh, street lights, and they're paved. I forgot to mention that. They're paved roads. And now you have GPS navigation. So if you want to get from where you're sitting right now, if I were to just give you a random address, you wouldn't even sweat it. You wouldn't even wonder, how do I get there? You would literally just pull out your phone, punch in the address, and then follow the directions. Proceed to the route. Now you're on the route. Now, up ahead, in three miles, turn left, turn on this, 
And then at some point it'll be like, in 450 feet, turn right, and your destination is on the left. That's pretty awesome, right? You could actually argue that that has made us really dumb. Because no, like, we don't teach kids how to read maps or anything anymore. You're just like, punch it in and follow the directions. But it, this, is, this is guidance. And this is the idea of we're going to make it easy to get around. Oh, let's pave the roads. Let's make a bridge over this obstruction. Oh, let's light the roads so we can travel by night. Oh, let's create GPS navigation so it's easy to get from one place to the other. This is, my, uh, this is my view of the book of Proverbs. Okay, If I could sum up all of the book of Proverbs in one short little sentence, it's this. Things make sense. Hey guys, here are some guidelines. Here's some, here is some guidance. And, and I want you to know, things make sense. And here is a, a road map. The book of Proverbs is kind of like the GPS navigation of life. Here, here's how you get from point A to point B. And, and let's look at some examples. In Proverbs 8, this is a beautiful verse, 32 and 33. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Proverbs 16, 20. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers, and blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. That sounds awesome, right? Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers. That's like, if I'm trying to get you from from where we are now to, like, downtown market, I I would very clearly say, whoever just follows the GPS navigation will get there okay. Because we have laid the foundation of all the systems and civilization and structure and infrastructure and technology so that you can get from here to there without any problems. You just follow the instructions. And this is what Proverbs is for our life. It's simple, and it's, it's easy to understand for most of, most of them. And I love this. I, I compiled a list. You know I like to compile lists, right? I love lists. So here's an example. I just went through the book of Proverbs, and I was like, what are like, some of the topics that are covered in the book of Proverbs. And this is, this is what I, I found. Like, all of these things are touched on by Proverbs. There is a proverb that deals with all of these. And if you were interested in learning about one of these, you could go and read a proverb about it. And I would give you like a little nugget. It would give you a, a little morsel of wisdom. That wisdom would be guidance would be like the GPS navigation. Now, I'm not, you know I I like to deal in nuance. There are some deep proverbs, okay? But for the sake of this, the, the idea behind proverbs is that things make sense. Here are some rules. If you follow them, life will go well with you, okay? The question is, well, one, do we even believe that? Do we believe that life will go well with us if we live according to God's guidance? And do we appreciate guidance when we get it? Do I appreciate God's guidance in my life? Now, you may say yes, 
because you love the Bible? Do you appreciate God's guidance in your life even when it comes in the form of another person offering you that guidance? When someone says something very Proverbs-like, like, hey, you're doing this, this isn't good, you should stop doing it. Simple, clean cut, not a lot of nuance, just, hey, I see what you're doing, it's not, it's not wise, don't do it, stop. And you might want to argue with them and be like, oh, you just don't understand, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, no, just, just stop it, it's not good for you. Do you appreciate the people in your life who have given you Proverbs-like guidance? Guys, this is where we start. Like the book of Proverbs, over and over, it's directed like from a father figure to a son. And so this is, this is the way that I see uh, giving wisdom to people who are immature. Baby Christians, our children, even like teens in campus. Like, this is where we start the wisdom journey. And you may want to start in a more, like, higher, mature realm of wisdom. Well, too bad. All of us who are maturing know that building a solid foundation of wisdom on simple guidance is is good. Do you appreciate the guidance, the Proverbs-like guidance that has come from your parents, teen ministers, campus ministers, the person, like, I think about the person that, that originally studied the Bible with me, and I was living with my girlfriend at the time, and he's like, yeah, maybe you should move out of your girlfriend's house. <laughs> Wasn't a lot of, like, air, shades of gray, like, room for interpretation. What about people who have discipled me over the years, who have helped me see, like, yeah, what you're doing, you should probably not do that. Or, hey, here's something you should consider doing. Like, very simple, just Add this spiritual discipline to your life. And, you know, maybe you, you're, there's some philosophy majors in here, and you're like, oh, life is so much more complex than, than that. And so someone, like, gives you guidance, and you want to turn it into, like, a theological debate. And, and guess what? Those of us who are mature or maturing know, yeah, I've done that. It actually didn't work out in my benefit. I debated people really because I just liked, I wanted them to like get off my back. And I really just wanted to keep doing whatever I was doing. I didn't want guidance. And so the wisdom journey, next week we're going to come back to this and we're going to talk about Proverbs, we're going to talk about guidance, we're going to talk about what it looks like when you're immature, and even all of the deeper spiritual truths that you can get out of Proverbs when you're mature. We're going to look at where Proverbs Like, we see it in the future in the New Testament. Even in the teachings of Jesus, where he values the Proverbs. So, I'm saying that the wisdom journey starts with the Proverbs. Guidance. Simple. Easy. It's the GPS navigation of life. But it's got got enough in there to keep you enriched for your whole life. You're never going to outgrow the Proverbs. I hope that makes sense. But then, life happens. The next part of the wisdom journey is chaos. Now this is the mountain. We leave the city streets. GPS navigation doesn't work when you're out in the forest or the mountains. Now you're trying to navigate in the wild. And nature is chaos. 
Has anyone ever gone hiking and kind of gotten somewhat lost? <laughs> yeah. Here's some, here are two stories that I found that are shocking. The headline was, Hikers leave trail and immediately get lost. Four hikers were found near Edwards Peak in Leavenworth, Washington. According to the hikers, they were attempting to hike through the enchantments, but they left the trail and got immediately turned around. And they needed to be rescued because they couldn't find their way. It's like, and if you've ever done this, like nature, like we go up to the UP, the, the woods there are thick, guys. You step off the trail and like take two steps, and now you're like, that's the trail, right? Let me go check. Okay, the trail's there. Because I, I, I come over here, I can't see the trail anymore. You take 10 steps into the woods, and you get turned around, you can be done for. There were two teens in the canyons around L.A. I used to live out there, and we would hike these canyons. Falls Canyon, California. There were two teens that went hiking. They're like, just for fun, in the afternoon, we're in the city, so we're good. We're just going to go down in this canyon. And they didn't realize that once you actually get down in the canyon, you can't see anything around you. You descend into like the brush, into the, like, the thickness. And they, they placed a call to 911 because they were lost. But then their phone immediately died. It couldn't be traced. And they couldn't make any other calls. They were trapped in that, can- in that canyon for days. They couldn't see that they were only 500 feet from the road. The road with a shopping center on it. The road with a beautiful skyline of L.A. They couldn't see it because they were trapped. Several days later, they were found. They were described as badly dehydrated, nearly incoherent. The boy was drifting in and out of consciousness. When the girl was found, she asked, what year is it? And that is because nature, like a lot, of, a lot of our lives, is chaos. If I could rat, sum up the entire book of Ecclesiastes in one sentence, it would be this. Nothing makes sense, guys. The book of Proverbs is beautiful because you read it and you're like, the world makes sense. Then you go from that to the book of Ecclesiastes and you're like, wait, what's the matter? This book is telling me that nothing makes sense. Now, if you read the whole book of Ecclesiastes, you're going to get this, this, like this call to trust in the Lord. And that's good, but we're not going to go there yet, because we're on this journey, okay? Job is actually going to draw that out even better, and we're going to look at that later. In two weeks, we're going to look at the book of Ecclesiastes, and we're going to learn a very important Hebrew word. And that word is hevel, H-E-V-E-L. And it's translated in some English versions as meaningless. Meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. But it means like a mist or a vapor or senseless or fruitless or useless. It can mean all of those things. It's hevel. And we're going to explore what hevel means. And so, in the beginning of Ecclesiastes... Just in the first two chapters, Solomon and the other teachers, they think it's kind of a group of teachers working together. Solomon and the teachers, they say, hey, I put my hand to all of these things. 
I did everything I could to learn everything there is about all of these subjects. And I tried it all, and I did it all. And I explored everything. But guess what? Guess what I learned? This is where it goes. Ecclesiastes 2, 13 through 15. I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise have eyes in their heads, while the fool walks in the darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Then I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? So, a lot of the same people that wrote the Proverbs wrote Ecclesiastes and they basically were like, yeah, we did all that. And guess what our takeaway is? Life is meaningless. Life doesn't make any sense at all. Wisdom is good, but really, you can be wise and your friend can be stupid and you're both going to die and what did it get you? That's Ecclesiastes. You're like, cheer me up. Wisdom is good, but really, what is the point? Here's one of my favorite Ecclesiastes verses. 7.15 In this meaningless life of mine, I've seen both of these. The righteous perishing in their righteousness, and the wicked living long in their wickedness. This literally is the opposite of Proverbs. Proverbs said, if you do what's right, your life will go well. And Ecclesiastes come along and say, I know lots of people that did what was right, and they didn't, life didn't go well for them. And I know lots of people who did what was wrong and life went great for them. Life is unfair. Life is full of injustice. It'll make you want to give up. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 2. Meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Life is chaos. So now, this is, this is part of the wisdom journey. If you don't want this, you don't want wisdom. Because we go from Proverbs, which is the GPS guidelines, the paved streets, the nice lit roads at night, everything makes sense, right angles, speed limits, curbs. And then we get out into nature, and we're like, oh wait, this is part of life too? Where I get trapped, and I get lost, and everything like, gets turned around, and nothing makes sense? It's exactly what life is. When you read, it, when you read Ecclesiastes... You can fall for this. You can think that everything you read in Proverbs is a lie. Maybe you even felt that as I was describing it. Everything about the nice, neat, little rules falls apart and doesn't apply anymore. Proverbs is a lie when you're in Ecclesiastes. All those nice little rules are stupid. But I want to personalize this for you. Ecclesiastes is that season where nothing makes sense. Proverbs is guidance. Here's how I want to word this for you. When you're in a season where nothing makes sense, guidance feels like lies. When life throws just absolute chaos at you. Has anyone experienced chaos in their life? When life throws chaos your way, All, not just the book of Proverbs, but everybody who ever gave you guidance in your life. Everybody who tried to help you with the foundations of wisdom, now they're the enemy. 
What were those rules trying to do for me? They were just trying to keep me in line. They were just trying to control me. Now, I, not only do I reject the wisdom that they tried to give me, I hate them for, for giving it to me. Everyone who was trying to help you is now your enemy when you get into a season of chaos. And this can be your parents. This can be former spiritual mentors. And you can think, everything they told me, I hate it and I hate them for it. And I, I wish I didn't know, like when I say that, there are actual names and faces that pop into my mind of people that I've watched not handle the transition of a chaotic life well. And they turn their back on everybody that has ever tried to help them spiritually. And sometimes, I'm going to be totally honest, sometimes that's me or Jen. We have had people literally like label us as the enemy for all the things that we tried to do to help them. And maybe you've actually experienced that. And this is going to come in two ways, guys, in your life. So this is one coin with two sides. One side is going to sound like this. Hey, I did everything right, and life still didn't go my way. I followed all your stupid rules, and life did not go well for me, like you promised it would. I tried to be pure. I tried to encourage uh, people of the opposite sex. God did not give me the spouse that I think I deserve. I faithfully gave tithes and offerings. I helped the poor. I'm still broke. I hate being poor all the time. I was humble. I was quiet. I was submissive. I was gentle in heart. And guess what? I just got taken advantage of. So all those, all those scriptures that you shared about being humble, forget that. It's stupid. I'm going to say stupid a lot in this. I'm sorry. That's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is just as damaging, but even a little more tragic. And that's the, well, I broke all the rules and nothing bad happened to me. You can take your wisdom and leave because it doesn't make any sense. Because guess what? I did whatever I wanted. This is literally Solomon. I did whatever I wanted and life was awesome. All your life, especially if you grew up in church, you said, don't get drunk, don't get drunk, don't get drunk. Guess what? I got drunk. It felt great. So what are you telling me to do? They said, don't have sex before you're married. I did it. Now what? They said, don't lie. Well, guess what? I became a habitual liar. I lied all the time and actually made my life a lot better. I got out of trouble. People don't, they don't, who don't know me, they think I'm pretty cool because I make up lies about myself. I got out of trouble all the time. I thought bad stuff was going to happen, and it didn't. I was afraid, I was afraid God was going to punish me, and he didn't. And so then the next step is, all those people that were trying to control me with rules they're keeping me down. Like, they're bad. Guys, this is so dangerous to get trapped in that line of thinking. You can get stuck there when you're experiencing the tumultuousness of life and you all of a sudden turn against everybody who ever tried to help you. 
And this is where a lot of people, this is where your faith is going to end. I'm just warning you. And and even in a crowd this size, there are some people here who are going to try the faith journey. They're going to step out. They're going to try to obey God. But something's going to happen. And everything I just said is exactly what's going to go through your mind. And you're going to be like, forget this. And I wish I, wish I could guarantee that here's, here's the path to ensure that never happens. If you find that, please let me know. I've just seen it too many times. And so then you can go the way of Solomon. Well, then I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. That's what Solomon did. Whatever feels good to me, that is now my number one pursuit. And that is the way that we respond to chaos. We usually don't reach out to people. We usually don't go towards strong spiritual people. We usually turn inward, reject people, and then just pursue whatever feels good to us. Here's my question. How, how do I respond when nothing makes sense? Maybe even some of those things I've shared, you think, oh yeah, I, I did that. I totally remember doing that or thinking that. I wish I had like a nice, neat, Proverbs-style answer for what to do when life is chaotic. The problem is that there isn't one. There is no easy answer to make Ecclesiastes look like Proverbs. My only ask of you right now is that you reflect and you think back on times in your life where you did experience chaos and you did the wrong thing. That can inform you. If you, if you, if you hold on to that and you learn from your past spiritual mistakes, that's invaluable. You can think, oh yeah, I remember when I turned my back on people who were trying to help me wise as a, a teen or in campus or as a, as a young person. Maybe spot some patterns in your life where you responded poorly to the craziness of life. And so in a couple weeks, we're going to look at Ecclesiastes even more in depth. And there is some hope there. I don't want to like destroy your faith. There is some hope in Ecclesiastes. Of, like, but we do need to embrace the fact that life is hevel. As much as we want it to be Proverbs. And so then that brings us to our last point. Perspective. So this is the stars. Guys, before GPS, before modern civilization, people navigated by the stars. When the sun set at night, sailors used the stars to navigate. Stars move across the sky from east to west. And some stars, called the rise and set stars, begin and end their nightly path below the horizon. Sailors determined their heading by watching the movement of the stars, the same way they watch the sun's movement. Sailors measured the height of the stars in the sky to track their progress. Sailors also used their knowledge of constellations to navigate because constellations change seasonally. Mariners had to know which constellations were visible in the sky at different times of the year in each hemisphere. Based on the location of certain constellations in the sky, sailors could determine what direction they were heading. The North Star was also a valuable marker 
for early navigators. I looked up this crazy little tool that sailors would use. It's called a kamal, and it's basically just like a, a rectangle, like a block of something, leather or wood or anything. And it was a set size, like maybe like the size of your hand, and it had a string on it. And so what they would do is they would literally put that string in their mouth and then hold it out. And then they would measure stars off the horizon or different heavenly bodies off the horizon. And then depending on the size, how close it was, that would change the size, they would tie a knot at that point. And then they could use this. It's amazing. And I'm like, we're so dumb now. We don't know how to do any of that. We don't... Like, guys... Technology has made us way dumber because people uh, 200 years ago were so much smarter than we were. Why am I talking about the stars? Because the book of Job brings this wisdom journey to a very interesting conclusion. The book of Job starts in Ecclesiastes, calls back to Proverbs, and then brings us to this new place where it says, where God says, hey, hey dude, I want you to know Everything does make sense. It just doesn't make sense the way you think it should. I want to look at, it's very interesting, I want to look at Job and how the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes play out in his life. Okay? This is, this is the start of the book of Job. A man whose name was Job, this man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. I think I would love that if that were said about me. Blameless, upright, feared God, shunned evil. If you're living a Proverbs life, this is the pinnacle. He followed all the rules, right? So, if you believe Proverbs, life should go well for him. And yet, we know the book of Job. Life did not go well for him. Right off the bat... He loses everything he owns, his wealth, his business, his assets, his employees. They die. Then he loses his children. All of his children are killed. Then he loses his health. He breaks out in like sores and his health is taken from him. And then if that wasn't, if that wasn't enough, he has one like close human relationship left and it's his wife. And then she turns his back on him also and starts yelling and saying crazy things, and he's overcome with this loneliness. So you've got a guy who lived Proverbs, but got Ecclesiastes. And then, I don't ha- we're not going to go through it, we'll do it in, in three weeks, but he gets a visit from his friends. And his friends start trying to help him the best way they know how. I want to look at one. I want to look at Bildad, which is a funny name. Bildad comes to him, and this is their exchange. Bildad says this, Hey, Job, if you are pure and upright, even now he will rouse himself on your behalf and restore you to your prosperous state. Bildad comes and says, You just got to go back to the basics and live right. Proverbs. If you do what's right, God will restore you. But Job is like, although I am blameless, I have no concern for myself. I despise my own life. It is all the same. That is why I say he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. It's a crazy interaction because Bildad is like quoting Proverbs and Job quotes Ecclesiastes back to him. 
He says, I'm doing everything that you, ta- you tell me to do. I am blameless. I am upright. I didn't bring any of this on me. It's just happening. This is Proverbs 3. If you do what is right, things will go well for you. That's what Bildad is saying. And then Job replies with Ecclesiastes, I did what is right, I still got chaos. And this is repeated over and over by his three friends for basically like 20 chapters. It's exhausting. If you've never read the whole book of Job, it's a head spinner. You're like, oh gosh, these guys, shut up. It gets so bad, this is what Job says. Job 16, 12. All was well with me, but he shattered me. He seized me by the neck and crushed me. He has made me his target. This is, this is the desperate groanings of a man that has had everything taken away from him. And he knows, God did this to me. That's what he's saying. God did this to me. I was okay, and God destroyed me. Then at the end, in 29, 30, and 31, it's, it's beautiful how it sums this up. All of 29 is him looking back on his life and recounting how he lived right. I did the right things. I followed all the rules, and I missed the days when everything made sense. I missed those proverb days. And then chapters 30 and 31 are basically this like, but this is what it's like for me now. Now, I'm in Ecclesiastes. Now, nothing makes sense. And so what happens? At the end of Job, at the very, very end of Job, God decides to step in. And God says, hey guys, I've been listening to your talking, and boy, are you guys dumb. God says this, brace yourself like a man. I'm going to question you, And you are going to answer me. God said that to Job. And then he gave him a tour of the entire universe. And he showed him everything that we know nothing about. And he asked them in some very interesting, like almost rhetorical questions. Like questions you can't answer. Like questions like, where do I keep all the rain when it's not raining? Job's like, I don't know. He's like, exactly. You don't know. You don't know anything. And he says that over and over again. Answer for me this. How does this happen? And we're like, I don't know. He's like, exactly. You don't know. You don't know anything. And at the end, this is what Job says. Job 42, 1 through 6. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you. You shall answer me. My eyes had heard of you, but now my eyes have, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Guys, this is a perspective that I don't know if any of us have ever really achieved yet. This like deep Maturity that comes from wisdom and includes humility. The the thing is, what Job just said there, he's like, God, I now realize 
There are things that are just too big for me to understand. We are so prideful, we don't even say that. We think, there is nothing too wonderful for me to know. Let me know it, and I'll make my decision. My trust will be based on how much I agree with you, God. Lay out your plans. Let me see them. Let's sign off on them before I proceed. And so God takes a guy who lived in Proverbs, but got Ecclesiastes, and he said, he's like, Job, I'm sorry, it's never going to go back to the way it was. I'm going to take you to a new place. A new place where you don't rely on the GPS navigation. You navigate with the stars because you have this perspective. Guidance is not just for the young and the simple and the immature. There's a lot there. But we're going to be moving through life. In fact, maybe I should save this for next week. Here's the way I want to leave it. Some of you, uh, when you're in a time of chaos... You're in, the, you're in nature. Life doesn't make sense. And you are desperately trying to go back to a, 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 a time and a lifestyle that's simple and everything makes sense again. And what I want to, want to encourage you is that there is actually a different path forward. The way that I put it was, we, we, we're out in nature and we're lost and we think that the solution is to pave over all of the forest. And just like pave the side of the mountain so that it's easy to navigate. But if we pave over nature, then we're never put in a situation where we have to even look up at the stars to try to find our way. And God wants to do the same thing with us in life. He gives us a foundation that starts with simple guidance. Hey guys, do this. Don't do this. And that's where we start. And some of you are there right now. But then... Undoubtedly, invariably, life happens and it stinks. And you think, okay, nothing makes sense. Time to give up. God's like, no, 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 no. Keep moving, but look at me. And the humility that Job had, where he's like, I despise myself. I despise, I repent in dust and ashes. We need to work on that humility. There is a humility in wisdom, and there is wisdom in humility. And James, which I think is the New Testament wisdom book, says that. James talks about the humility that comes from wisdom. The wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. There's a part of wisdom that you're never going to get when you're prideful. When you think you know everything, you're blocking yourself off from most wisdom. And we'll talk about that upcoming. But here's the wisdom journey. We've got the city streets, we've got the mountain, and we've got the stars. We've got Proverbs. Next week we're going to look at Proverbs. What kind of wisdom does the Proverbs offer me in my stage of life? Because it offers different things to different people at different stages of life. And that's the beauty of Proverbs. What does it mean for the immature? And what does it mean for the mature? 
What can, I go, what can go wrong when I misuse the Proverbs? And does it have any relevance in the New Testament and the teachings of Jesus? The mountain is Ecclesiastes and the stars are Job. The sum up is this. Hey guys, things make sense. And we wanna, that's where we start. But then you're going to hit a point where nothing makes sense. And that doesn't contradict each other. And then if you keep moving forward and you keep focusing on God, you're going to find out that everything does make sense, just not the way you think it should. It might never make sense the way you think it should. And so the wisdom journey starts with guidance. It almost always moves through some type of chaos. But if we can hold on to perspective, we can become mature. Now, I do want to say one last thing, because I'm over time, obviously. I just want to, I just want to remind you, don't, don't dismiss your brothers and sisters in two ways. When someone tries to give you guidance, when someone tries to help you in your gaining of wisdom, some of it, I, I guarantee some of it is going to come in the form of Proverbs-like guidance. Don't dismiss it as stupid, simplistic. Don't dismiss it as rules. Don't dismiss it as them trying to control you. You have to learn how to appreciate guidance. And you have to be humble enough to know, hey guys, I need guidance. I, I need guidance. And then, on the flip side of that, I want to caution us. Don't dismiss someone who's going through chaos. Don't assume that they're weak. Don't assume, like, like Job's friends, don't be Job's friends who think, oh, they just need to get better at following the basics and everything will go well for them. They might just be in a time of chaos and we can partner with them and we can help point them to God and help them gain perspective. We're on a wisdom journey. The ultimate goal is perspective, to see things the way God sees them. God made you as a beautifully rich and complex being, and our growth isn't linear. There are going to be seasons of strife and seasons of setback. The wisdom journey shows us that God isn't surprised by the chaos. It didn't, like, catch him off guard. When you go through a hard time, God's not going on the sidelines like, oh my gosh, I didn't expect that to happen. His plan is is for us to go through chaos and give us the tools we need to navigate. And it frees us, I love this, it frees us from the burden of having to look like we have it all together. We don't have to make everything make sense. That's not God's desire. And so, I just pray that you can like hang in there with us through these next three weeks and, and understand that the, de- the very definition of wisdom changes as we go through life. And wisdom when you are immature isn't always going to look the same as wisdom when you're mature. Amen? That is all I have for you guys. And with, uh, with that, Andre Wiegand is going to do our communion message. Come on up, Andre.